You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Good morning, church. Hello, can you hear me? Awesome. So for those of you who maybe don't know me, my name is Nicole Barnes, and for the past four and a half years, I have had the privilege of pastoring our children here at LifePoint, and today is actually a very bittersweet day for me, as it is my last official day on staff before I step into this new season of motherhood at home. But As I shared several weeks ago, I'm not going anywhere. I'll still be here, and I'm invested in our children here at at LifePoint as a volunteer now alongside many of you guys. But I am just super honored that I get this privilege to share a message that's really been burning on my heart this week. So as I was praying and seeking the Lord about what he had for us this morning, I felt like he wanted us to walk in a greater revelation of the transformed or renewed mind that he made available um, to us through Jesus. So this morning, we're actually going to unpack how a renewed mind first allows us to uproot lies from the enemy, and then to come into agreement with heaven's perspective, as well as revealing the thoughts and the will of God in our lives. So God created humans as three-part beings. So we have a spirit, a soul, and a body. And in John 3, Jesus is having this conversation with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus, who unlike many religious leaders of his day, he was actually a genuine seeker of truth. So you can put this on the screen. Um, In this conversation, Jesus is describing that in order to come into the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. To which Nicodemus replies, how can anyone be born when they are old? Am I to enter a second time into my mother's womb? But Jesus says, flesh is born of the flesh, but spirit is born of the spirit. So it's easier for us to understand this distinction between our physical bodies or our flesh from our soul or our spirit. But oftentimes we have a harder time discerning our spirit from our souls. And then in Hebrews 4.12, Paul actually explains to us that it's the word of God, which is both living and active, that is sharper than any double-edged sword that can actually divide our soul and our spirit. And it allows us, God's word, allows us to understand the distinction between the two. So when you became born again by receiving Jesus as your savior and king, our spirit within us becomes perfectly justified through Christ as holy. And that's when the spirit of the living God comes to dwell in us. However, our soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions, it needs to undergo this process of sanctification or transformation or renewal through the spirit of God that dwells in us now when we became born again. So God's word is able to separate these and divide these soulish thoughts from our spirits, and he's able to prune us and cut off anything that hinders. So ideally, as believers, we want our soul to be so renewed and transformed in the likeness of the spirit that it becomes intertwined like a vine and a branch with the father. So you can't tell where we stop and where he starts. But in Psalm 42, 11, we actually read how King David, he speaks to his soul and he says, why my soul are you downcast? Put your hope in God. So we must actively bring our soul into alignment with the spirit of God that comes to dwell in us when we're born again. As it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we all with unveiled face, face, beholding the glory of God, 
are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now Romans 12, two is the cornerstone passage for the transformed mind, I'm sure many of you know it. But it's do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. We become transformed by the renewing of our mind, and then the renewed mind allows us to then discern what is the will of God. So what do we know about God's will? We see the will of God mentioned in the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6.10. You guys know it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the greatest commission that we have is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So I had the privilege actually of sitting at the feet of Pastor Bill Johnson during ministry school. And the renewed mind was actually a subject that he wrote and spoke about often. So I just wanna make sure I credit the majority of my understanding of this topic as well of a significant portion of this message to to revelations and teachings that I've required um, from him and namely two of his books, The Supernatural of the, uh, sorry, Supernatural Power of a Transformed Mind as well as When Heaven Invades Earth. So if you've read those, you might recognize some of these um, illustrations. But that being said, I have come to understand that the result of of a renewed mind is actually a believer who lives from heaven to earth. Now, unfortunately, most believers, we still live from earth to heaven, from that perspective. But if we fail to think and see from a kingdom reality, we're always going to be fighting this uphill battle. We need to see with God's perspective. And scripture actually tells us in Ephesians 2, 6, that we are currently seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So we need to come into agreement with God's thoughts and heaven's perspective and actually deny the enemy's perspective over situations and circumstances that we face. Now we don't deny that the enemy exists, but we simply deny him a place of influence. So when we come into agreement with heaven, the impossible will then begin to look probable. Any area of life that isn't mirroring the reality of heaven That is actually an inferior reality because the renewed mind demonstrates that the reality of his world is actually superior to this world. So the way that we allow the inferior realities to dictate our lives, it's through our agreement. The agreement that, excuse me, sorry, the the enemy, he has no authority over us as believers. The only way that he has influence in our, in our life is through our agreement. So all authority has been given to Jesus. And then he then gave that to us. So this is where it becomes vital that we take every thought captive. So in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it tells us that we are to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we can't afford to think or believe thoughts in our mind that aren't in God's. We have the mind of Christ through the spirit of God that dwells in us. And we need to come out of agreement with lies that we're believing. 
But the problem is, the enemy doesn't come rocking up on our doorstep with devil horns and a pitchfork. The very nature of deception is that we don't know we're being deceived. He simply talks until we agree with one of those lies that he's spoken. And when we come into agreement with a lie, we empower the liar. And the enemy then can set up a stronghold in our mind where he can hide. He even tried to tempt Jesus this way by twisting scripture. So an example of an agreement um, that I actually, or a stronghold that I had in my own life was when I grew up, probably many of you had this too, I was always told that I was a sinner saved by grace. And it felt very true. And I began to receive that as my identity. And I thought that I was actually operating in humility by coming into this agreement with this lie that my identity was and would always be this dirty, rotten sinner. But little did I know, I was actually proclaiming over myself that I was a sinner, not a saint. And so I was continuing to sin by faith because I truly believed that my old nature was not actually dead. So I felt powerless to temptation. So many people preach from Romans 7 about this sinful nature, but they, shop, they stop shy of Romans 8. And in doing so, they're missing the most important part of the message. Paul says in Romans 8 to contrast what he just wrote, but we who have the mind of Christ are no longer slaves to sin. When we become born again, we have the spirit that dwells in us and empowers us to never sin again. So 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that God will provide a way out when we're tempted so that we can endure it. Let that truth just sink in right now. You will never face a choice in your life that you are not empowered to operate in the spirit of self-control. So if that statement that you can be free from sinning for the rest of your life actually causes offense in you to rise up, that's what happened with me when I recognized this lie, we've probably come into agreement with that same stronghold that I had about my identity. So I believe someone in this room actually is getting set free right now in Jesus' name from that lie that they're never gonna be able to overcome a sin issue in their life, because that is, that is not true. The way you feel, it is not the way that you are. Just because something feels true, it doesn't make it true. I've heard it said before that feelings are like kids. You can't put them in the driver's seat of your car, but you also can't shove them in your trunk. So you can't, <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that picture because you can't be led by your feelings. We know that that would, be, that would end badly but you also can't ignore those feelings completely. We have to acknowledge them and process them with the Holy Spirit. So when we've come into agreement with a, with a lie that is felt true, we can allow the Lord to speak truth in that situation. So if you have accepted a lie as truth, came into agreement with it, whether it was right or wrong, it's probably shaped your life in some way or another. So that's why one of my favorite ministries to do with children is actually uprooting lies. So when our network um, kids conference was actually canceled due to COVID last year, I just felt really strongly that the Lord wanted me to do our own conference. And I was not keen on planning my own conference, but I felt like the Lord was saying, our kids need to have a revelation of their identity in Christ in a profound way. So we did this conference and during our evening service, we did this activation. We're actually gonna do this later. But we invited the Holy Spirit to speak to the kids about lies that they were believing about themselves that felt true. And so one by one, I would have them come into the microphone and trembling with like their voices literally trembling, they would speak into the microphone these lies 
that they had come to believe about themselves that felt true. So they would speak these into the mic and all of their peers and all of the leaders in the room, we would shout back as loud as we could in response, that's a lie. And you could literally feel them getting delivered. Like something was breaking off of them in that moment. And I, of course, was blubbering like a baby the entire time, it was so beautiful. But if this is what we're doing with our kids, how much more do us as adults need to do this? We've had a lifetime of probably coming into agreement with these things that the Lord wants to uproot. So we have to be intentional to take our thoughts captive and manage our thought life because every single action begins as a thought. Pastor Bill would say, you don't have to watch what you say if you watch what you think. And since becoming a parent, I've found this to be very true in my own life. Um, There's this old adage that says, adversity introduces a man to himself. And I will be honest, sleep training our son is introducing me to myself in a new light. But recently I found myself getting really angry or frustrated on nights when I had little or no sleep. And at one point I caught myself actually justifying my bad attitude because I didn't have sleep. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Nicole, who told you that? And I realized in that moment that I had actually come into agreement with this lie that if I'm sleep deprived, I no longer have the capacity for self-control, which obviously (laughs) that is a lie. But when we're squeezed in a situation and we choose to sin, meaning the fruit of the Spirit is not what comes out of us, that's actually an invitation from the Lord to reveal where we can be transformed by coming out of agreement with a lie from the enemy and into God's truth that he's speaking over us. So I actually have begun to do this, it sounds so silly, but I will declare over myself when those feelings of tiredness and frustration arise, I'll say I have the spirit of self-control. I will say it to myself as I'm patting Henry, rocking him, I have the spirit of self-control in the middle of the night. So the Bible says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But if you don't resist temptation, it's like someone who's confined to a bed and doesn't move. Their muscles will begin to atrophy. So without resistance, our very capable spirit of self-control may appear weak, when in reality, with some exercise, it is capable of incredible strength. So it is important to remember, though, that temptation itself is not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. So your identity is not the temptations that you resist. I wanna say that one more time. I feel like our, this generation needs it. Our identity is not the temptation that you resist. So you need to get around people who are gonna speak identity over you. So often we find these accountability partners who keep us accountable to our disability but we need people who are gonna keep us accountable to our abilities. So our relationship with the Holy Spirit, it needs to be lived between these two guardrails that we find in scripture. Over here, we have Ephesians 4.30, which says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And then on this side, we have 1 Thessalonians 5.19, which says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. So this side here is just to keep us from sinning. But God, because he loves us, right, and he, he wants us to, to be free from sin because he knows sin destroys us. But then this side, this is actually what keeps us from failing to do something right. So in order to remain between these guardrails, we have to have our minds renewed. If we think that following Jesus simply means to avoid sinning or moral failures, 
that we're living so far below what Jesus modeled for us. Yes, we don't wanna get proud and start thinking that we're too good to be tempted by sin as we mature in Christ, but when we have our minds renewed, we should begin to live in a lifestyle of greater risk and dependency upon the Holy Spirit. And instead of simply trying to avoid grieving the Holy Spirit by sinning, our focus then shifts to taking ground for the kingdom of heaven so as not to quench him. So Jesus's life is actually our model of what living with a renewed mind should look like on earth for an everyday believer. Now we know that Jesus, he was fully God, right? But it's important that we also remember he chose to become fully man, to give us an example of what is possible through a life that is surrendered to the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He actually said in John 5, 19, that the Son can do nothing of himself, but only what he sees the Father doing. So he could have done miracles as God, but instead he chose to perform miracles as a man, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and yielded to his Father. Because if Jesus performed all his miracles just as God, then we're stuck as spectators cheering on Jesus on the sidelines. But because he chose to live as a human in right relationship with God, empowered by the Spirit, we're not confined to just be fans anymore. Like John 14, 12 says, we will do the works that he did and even greater works. So we owe the world this type of demonstration of the gospel and the will of God on display. Not merely of talk, but of power. So if a salesperson tried to come to me and sell me on like a laundry detergent and told me that it was guaranteed to rid my sweater of any stain in the world and they proceeded to rub permanent marker all over this, let's say, nice white jacket, but instead of demonstrating to me their product's ability to clean it, they simply handed me a pamphlet and left, I have little or no reason to trust or believe the words that they just shared with me. Because a renewed mind, it isn't just this intellectual ascent. It can't just be achieved by studying scripture alone. Because someone could tell you all day long about this Jesus who used to perform miracles, but they can't display one. Jesus helped his disciples to understand both what he taught and what he did. There wasn't any separation from his lifestyle and his teaching. So today, we could actually go to a business school and get a degree and get taught by someone who's never owned a business. And that's because in our culture, we elevate this idea and concept of principle over experience. But that's not the biblical standard. God wants us to contend for our experience to line up with his concepts and principles. So if the scriptures aren't leading us to an experience with Jesus himself, then we're like the Pharisees that Jesus addresses in John chapter five when he says, you search the scriptures because in them you think that you have, because in them you think you have eternal life, but it's they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So let's take the concept of healing as our example. Jesus, he healed everyone who came to him. So Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Theology, excuse me. And our approach to healing should be to serve a person in front of us as if we were standing, as if Jesus, excuse me, was standing in our shoes. So sometimes we don't get the same breakthrough that he would have gotten, but we don't lower our standard of scripture because of our lack of experience. 
When there's an incongruency between our experience and Jesus' example, that is an invitation to contend for breakthrough. So on the other hand, sometimes we actually get the privilege of experiencing a miracle from God that's so grand that we actually then need to raise our expectation. So this happened to me when I was in ministry school. Um, One of my friends, she came to our small group with a prayer request because her mother was a nurse and she had um, actually been stuck with a needle but the patient was HIV positive, so her mom asked if we could you know, just pray covering and protection over her. So our revival group, which is approximately like 70 students, we just began to pray over her mom. And then um, a few weeks later, or days, I can't remember now, but um, we got the testimony back that her mom um, was, was doing well and was great. But the best part of the reply was, that the HIV patient was now completely healed. Can we give an amen for God? (laughs) So none of us had even thought to pray for the patient, (laughs) but God revealed himself and his nature and his will so profoundly to us. That day, I realized that God really is better than I think. I was grateful that he didn't just answer my prayer, but he actually chose in that moment to renew my mind through exposure to that miracle. And I realized that his will over that situation was beyond what I had even bothered to ask or believe for. So when we read how Jesus interacted with his disciples, we see him demonstrating the will of God on earth as it is in heaven in order to renew their minds to his way of thinking. So in Matthew 15, the disciples are asking Jesus um, how they're gonna find enough bread to fill this large crowd of 4,000. It seems like a pretty reasonable question. But we have to take notice, this was after they had already experienced the miracle of God multiplying the food for the 5,000. So like us, oftentimes, we see that the disciples didn't allow the first miracle to renew their mind. So many people, I'm sure a lot of us, we've seen a miracle of God, but we don't then adjust our way of thinking to accommodate the miraculous as a lifestyle. So we, we read the commissions of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 10, and he says to them, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, and raise the dead. Notice he didn't say, pray for the sick. He said, heal them. So Jesus commands us to do the impossible. Now, our last example of Jesus training his disciples um, here is when he calms the storm in Mark 4, verse 37. It says how the disciples, they woke Jesus who was asleep in the stern while the boat was nearly sinking. And he said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? So he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And then he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So Pastor Bill actually broke this passage down so simply and it stuck with me ever since. He said, Jesus is God, right? And having a conversation with God is called what? Prayer, right? So essentially in this story, we see that the disciples prayed, God answered their prayer, and then he asked them why they didn't have any faith. So this tells us that in the renewed mind, sometimes God would rather do things through you than for you. Jesus was teaching his disciples to represent him on earth, not just to petition him to work on his behalf. 
Now that does not mean that prayers of petition and intercession and cries for help are wrong. It just means that the Lord wants to bring us into a position of authority where we know and can decree the heart and will of God over our situations. In this story, we see how the disciples, they were petitioning Jesus to calm the storm that they themselves were trained to calm. So Jesus trains us not only to think like him, but he, he actually gives us this incredible invitation. So we read in 1 Corinthians chapter two that no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And that the person filled with the spirit of God, they have the mind of Christ. So if we have the mind of Christ, we don't just think like God. Through the Holy Spirit, we actually have access to think God's thoughts. So if we have the spirit of God dwelling in us, then he can reveal deep and hidden things to us, things we can't know unless an all-knowing God put that thought there. So this isn't just an incredible gift for our own life, it's actually a profound gift for ministering to those around us. People are so hungry to know what God thinks about them, and we have access to those thoughts. So God wants us to be treasure hunters here on earth, searching for and calling out the gold that he sees in his creation. So I'm actually gonna invite Scott to come up on the keys and I'm gonna start sharing some testimonies that I pray are gonna make us hungry and expectant for God to speak this morning. So I've actually been on a journey with the Lord on tapping into God's thoughts for others since my freshman year of college is when I first kind of started to, to understand this. And there's been seasons where I've wholeheartedly been pursuing growth and taking risks and I will be honest, there have been times when I was not being intentional in this area. But at the, this testimony, at that particular time, I was, I was really pressing in and I had decided to go on a prayer walk actually around Main Street here in Ames. It was pretty early in the morning, around six o'clock. And I had this really spiritual idea that I was going to march around this building seven times for whatever reason. Felt like maybe I would get some uh, spiritual like uh, outpouring if I did that. But, as I was walking around the building, I noticed on the other side of a building was a man sitting there. And so I was like, oh Lord, if I march around this seven times, this poor gentleman's gonna think I am like stalking him or doing something very weird. So I was like, oh God, if I'm gonna look so weird to him, I might as well talk to him. So I said, God, do you have any word or do you have any, um, anything you wanna share with him? So I closed my eyes, began to pray as I'm walking. And, and all of a sudden, this woman that my mom works with, she just popped into my mind. I just saw a picture of her in, in my mind's eye. Didn't feel spiritual, but it popped into my head. Her name was Amber. And so that's all I had. And I felt, I felt like the Lord was asking me to take a risk. So I walked up to this man and I said, hi, I know this is gonna sound really odd, um, but does the name Amber mean anything to you? And his eyes got so wide and he looked at me like super confused and said, that's who I'm sitting here waiting for right now. And I just began to share the gospel with him. I said, God knows every detail about you. He loves you. He knew that you were gonna be sitting here and he just wanted to tell you that he adores you. So he started this conversation and he told me that he thought there was you know, a million different ways to get to heaven. And at the end of our conversation, he ended up saying out loud, wow, Jesus is the only way to heaven. And you normally don't expect conversations to go that well, to be honest. And so I was like, the only reason 
why that was so significant was because it started with a thought that wasn't my thought, it was God's thought that unlocked his heart in a unique way. So another testimony of a, just a, a sweet treasure hunt with the Lord was actually in Thailand and I have these two stories from doing some treasure hunts. So we were praying with our interpreters and we were in this mall and so we were asking the Lord about direction of where we should go or who we should, we should pray for. And I saw all these fish tanks and so I was, I was sharing with my interpreter, oh, I saw all these fish tanks. Are there fish tanks here? She's like, no, there's nothing like that here. So I said, oh, no problem. So I just kind of put that word on the shelf and we followed some other directions. And then we stumble upon this. So you can actually put this picture on um, the screen. It was just a random display of fish tanks. And the, my interpreter just burst out laughing. She said, Nicole, I was in the mall two days ago right here and this was not there. She said, I think this is where we should pray. <laughs> so we, we kind of set up camp there and we're, we're watching as people walk. And this, this elderly woman comes up and she was probably in her 80s. Um, and we start talking, um, so there was uh, kind of pairs of us and my friend is this very fair-skinned boy with long blonde hair. So he sticks out in Thailand like a sore thumb. And, and we walk up to this elderly woman and just began to um, share the gospel with her. We find out she'd been a Buddhist her entire life, 80 some years, and we share the gospel and she accepts Jesus as her savior. It's kind of one of those same situations where like, wait, wait, what? You want to? Okay. And so we were, we were like shocked and amazed and surprised, which we shouldn't have been, but we were. And so we actually, through the interpreter, started asking her more and more questions. We found out that she had had a dream the night before of my sweet male friend with his long blonde hair. And she came to him, he came to her in a dream. And then this voice said to her, this man is gonna tell you the truth. That was all she saw. So when she saw him in the mall there, she, she knew that whatever he was about to speak was gonna be super significant. And she, in that moment, surrendered her life to the Lord. We actually had a, a conference the next day and she came, she got called out for healing, healed on the spot, filled with the Holy Spirit, called out for words of knowledge. It was just, it was beautiful. The Lord had her number. And another time we were actually walking through the streets of Thailand. We were praying for words and asking God um, for direction again, kind of like our treasure hunts. And I saw this image in my mind's eye, nothing beautiful, nothing sur like super spectacular. I just saw these two teeth, like all the way down to the root. And so I told my team and my interpreters, I was like, maybe there's gonna be someone with some really bad teeth. I don't know. Like I didn't even know how to, how to go about looking for, for this individual, but that's what I saw. Um, so we're walking through um, the town and about two minutes into our walk, we saw this, so you can put that picture up on the screen. We saw this billboard and I was like, I think this is where we're supposed to pray. So we stood there and there was this woman who had also been a Buddhist her whole life, but we started to talk with her and she just began to, to weep and unravel um, just these burdens that she was carrying. We began to pray with her and minister and she encountered Jesus and she, she actually tried to to pay us, like um, at the end, she thought that, oh, this is what, what I do in my, um, in my faith or her previous faith. And we said, no, no, everything you receive from Jesus is free. Like he bought and paid for it for you. And then I actually have a couple of testimonies that aren't my own, but they were friends of mine in ministry school. So one of my friends, he actually went to just Walmart one day and he felt like the Lord was, was speaking to him. 
um, about this individual. He had this word of knowledge about um, just needing restoration with their father and how their heavenly father wanted to restore their relationship with them. So he approached this individual, you know, and was like, I, I know this might sound odd, but, and shared, shared about how he felt like God wanted to restore his relationship with his dad. And he just started to weep, like a grown man weeping in front of him. And he said, he's like, I'm at the point right now where I don't even, I don't even have his number. I don't have a way to contact my dad. And in that moment, my classmate, my friend, they actually started to get a download of, of a number. And they said, I know this is gonna sound wild, but would you be willing to call this number with me? I felt like the Lord just dropped it in my spirit. He's like, you can try. Guess who answered on the other line? It was this man's dad. And there was this beautiful moment in Walmart where these, these two are connecting again after years of estrangement. And obviously it was just the first step of many, but God has thoughts in his mind that he wants to put in yours. Uh, I'll share one more testimony before we get activated in this, but I had another friend in ministry school. Her name was Lindsay, and she has a very prophetic anointing on her life. She actually has a ministry of her own now, but she went to this prophetic conference and um, they had all these training exercises and she failed every single one of them. <laughs> she was starting to get really insecure. So she went home that day. She ended up getting a call from a friend of hers who was actually calling on behalf of this really high up, like well-known businessman um, who did not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit at all. He did not believe that God spoke today. Um, and so her friend says, you know, oh, Lindsay, you should ask God for the problem and the solution like Daniel did for King Nebuchadnezzar. And so that way he'll know that God is real. And so, this, this man who had this you know, significant business problem, he's like, well, there's nothing to lose. So they, they talk on the phone and she's like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pray and I'll get back to you um, through text in just a few days. And so she said, she's praying and she's praying and she's praying and she's not getting anything. And so she just, like a child, goes back to the book of Daniel and she starts reading everything that he did and following it. And she realizes it was through a dream that Daniel received um, that revelation. So she's like, it was eight o'clock and I just got ready for bed. And so she, she lays down and is just waiting for her dream. And she said, not long after an angel came into the room and she said, this was not normal for her. Like she didn't have a lot of angelic encounters. She said an angel came into her room, put his hand on her head. And she said this, this it looks like a TV screen. She said, opened up in front of her and she said, that she saw a specific location and this, this um, dream started to unravel. And unfortunately, it was actually um, a situation that she couldn't share publicly. So we didn't get to hear all that, all that she saw, but she wrote it all down. And then the next day she, she texts this, um, this man and she said, she's like, the funny thing is the power of doubt, like that, that voice of the enemy. She said that when she heard that those voices, she actually began to doubt whether, whether this is gonna make any sense or not. When she had an open vision and an angel put his hand on her head. So just don't worry if the enemy tries to lie at you because he knows how powerful it is when you get a hold of this. So, so anywho, she, she texts the individual and said, you know, this is, this is the problem. This is the solution that I feel like the Lord gave. And the man replied and he said, what you just shared is not public knowledge and only has been discussed by a small team of people over an issue that happened 72 hours prior. And so he said, this is impossible for you to know. 
So we serve the God of the impossible. And I don't know about you, but those testimonies make me hungry for more of my own. So I wanna give us time to, to not only respond um, to this encounter, but actually um, to be, to, to lend an opportunity just for anyone in this room who has never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of their life, who've never been born again in, in and of the Spirit. So today, it is your day. <laughs> so I'm gonna have all of you guys just stand up and you can close your eyes at this point. But just position yourself ready to receive and to be activated by the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit just to make you more aware of His presence right now. So if you're in this room today or you're watching online and you've never been born again by the Spirit and today you want to be made alive in Christ, I just want you, I just want you to, um, to, to raise your hand. And if you're in this room and you've actually done that before, but you've never actually um, committed to, to, to following him wholeheartedly. Maybe your soul has gone astray and you wanna renew your commitment to him. I just want you to slip, slip your hand up so I don't, I don't miss you. Awesome. And if there's anyone watching online, there's actually a number that's gonna appear on the screen and you can text or call that number and let us know if you're making that decision today. We wanna connect with you. So if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, I'm actually still gonna have you pray this prayer with me. I want you to draw a line in the sand, surrender your life to him, and I would invite you, even if you didn't raise your hand, the altar is open. There's gonna be a lot more people joining you in a moment, but it is open. And you can come down here right now, because there, there is something about an act of, of physical obedience that brings a spiritual release. So don't let the fear of man keep you from encountering him. Now, regardless of whether you came to the altar or not, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, today we choose to freely receive your forgiveness for, this, for our sins. That forgiveness that's made possible only through the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. God, we choose to surrender our life to you so that we can be restored in right relationship and that we can become a saint, no longer bound to sin, but born again of the Spirit, possessing the mind of Christ. Amen. Now, secondly, I wanna give an opportunity for the rest of us to respond to this mandate in God's word about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So whether you feel prompted by one or two or three of these invitations, I want you to come out of your seat and come to the altar. So firstly, if you want the Lord to reveal and uproot lies that maybe you've started to believe about your identity or your circumstances, or even about your understanding of God's nature, then just come right now. I'll give a couple more, but if you wanna see your impossible circumstances from God's perspective and start living the kind of lifestyle that Jesus modeled, then come start filling this altar. If you're hungry not to just think like God, but to actually get downloads of God's thoughts and start operating as a believer with the mind of Christ, I want you to come to the front expectant to hear from God right now. So as you get out of your seats and posture your heart to receive like a child this morning, as we walk through, there's gonna be three spirit-led activations that we're gonna do. So I want you to remember that prayer, it is a 
two-way conversation. So you're up here right now, not to listen just to me, but to listen to the Holy Spirit. So I'm first gonna explain this activation and then I'm gonna quiet my, myself for a minute so you actually have time to wait on the Lord and hear what he has to say. So first, we're gonna ask the Lord, whether you came up for, for number two or number three, we're all gonna participate. Even if you're back in your seats, I want you to participate. So we're gonna ask the Lord to reveal to our hearts where we've come into agreement with a lie. So even now, as I explain, just begin to quiet your thoughts. Let him bring those lies to your mind or even a memory when you first came into agreement with a lie. Whether it was about yourself your circumstances or God, he wants to deliver you from that lie. And then when he reveals that to you, I want you to actually confess it out loud by saying, God, I renounce the lie that, and you're gonna say that lie out loud. And one more instruction before I, I, I let you talk. So once you have renounced the lie, I then, you, I then want you to ask God to replace that lie with his truth. And I wanna encourage you to resist the temptation to just start brainstorming. Actually ask God what his truth is over that situation and then wait, just wait upon him and listen because it's his word that will have the power to deliver you and set you free. So when you hear that word, I then want you to speak that portion out loud and say, God, I thank you that the truth is and say that out loud. So in this moment, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wait on the Lord as well, but we're gonna take some time just to to wait and quiet our thoughts and, and wait for him to, to bring something into our mind. those truths over those situations out loud. God, I just renounce the lie that this season of being a stay-at-home mom is gonna be in any way lonely. And I, I choose to partner with the truth, Lord, that this is gonna be the most loving community filled season of my life, that I'm gonna encounter friendships like never before, that I'm not gonna be hidden or alone. So if you're still waiting, you can contend and continue to wait on the Lord. I'm gonna lead us on another activation for those who came for group two. If you have an impossible circumstance in your life right now, maybe you have um, an ailment that you need healing from or someone you know that needs a miracle, I want you to put your hands actually over your eyes just as an act of physical obedience. And I want you to ask God to release vision to see in your mind's eye that impossible circumstance bow its knee to Jesus. So the same way that we let the enemy have keys to our imagination and we can picture the worst case scenario play out in our mind, I want you to do the same thing except for surrender your mind to the Lord so that he can communicate to you through your sanctified imagination. 
And as you start to envision that situation playing out from heaven's perspective, just so childlike, just imagine that breakthrough. I want you to then make a decree. Don't just ask Jesus to please heal that cancer or please return your prodigal son or daughter. I want you to decree that in Jesus' name that cancer is healed. I want you to say that prodigal son or that prodigal daughter is coming home in Jesus' name and start speaking those decrees out loud because in this room right now, I can just sense there are angels that are waiting with bated breath for your spoken word, the will of God, the spoken word of God to be out loud said so that they can be dispatched to go see to that that word is completed. So just begin to speak those decrees out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for no more autoimmune issues in my body, no more autoimmune issues in any of your church body, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are restoring hope that my family, my family members are gonna know you and love you intimately and deeply, even extended family, that they will have a, a deep relationship with you, Jesus. Thirdly, this last one, if you're in the room and you want to reveal the heart of God to the world around you by supernaturally receiving his thoughts and downloads from heaven, I want you again to just quiet your own thoughts in mind and we are gonna go on a treasure hunt. I want you to ask him for clues to the treasure that he wants to lead you to today. So ask him right now to just drop a person or a location or a circumstance in your mind And as he brings pictures or even just thoughts into your mind, I want you to thank him for whatever you see or hear or any thought he brings to your mind because sometimes it doesn't feel very spiritual, but it ends up being a key to someone's breakthrough. So you might need to actually ask some follow-up questions to the Lord. You might ask, Lord, who is this image for? Or is there an interpretation for this? Or is this just a, a word of knowledge? So I'm just gonna continue to be quiet for a moment, just allow you to wait on the Lord for a download. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel like I'm supposed to to break off the lie or the doubt. If the enemy is speaking to you right now and saying that this is not your gift or you don't have the ability to hear from him, that is a lie. And you can just go ahead and come out of agreement with that. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I actually want you to steward that word today. And if you didn't receive one yet, continue to press in until you do, but share that word with a family member or a friend before you make your way home. Because I want you to be commissioned as believers, empowered by the Spirit of God, to see the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven today. So I'm just gonna be obedient. In this moment, I saw, I saw a parking space 
So I wasn't planning on making an errand today, but I might just go to the grocery store to see if I find someone in the parking lot on a nice cold day like today. But we wanna be obedient to follow where the Spirit is leading because someone is hungry and desperate for an encounter with God's thoughts about them. And you carry the breakthrough um, that they, they will then get to freely receive as you did as well. So with that, I'm gonna actually pray and then I'll invite Alex, our host, to come close our time together. But God, we thank you that you have given every believer who confesses you as, as Lord, the Spirit of God to dwell in them. What a privilege, Lord. Thank you that the Spirit that is alive in us renews our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Lord, thank you that we can come into agreement with God's thoughts and that we can allow our minds to be renewed that we are being transformed into the image and likeness of God, even now. As we become transformed, Lord, then we're able to reveal the thoughts and the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. God, we thank you for that privilege. Amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.